0: on today's show.
1: What's happened is, is so that that zone where you kind of had Northern Africa, which is all Muslim and Islamized, they collectively have been targeting and moving their way South. People ask, okay, you know what, well, how are they taking the country over? What's going on? Where's the Nigerian government? Uh, Frankly, a lot of the Nigerian politicians are intimidated and they're afraid. They're afraid to stand up and protect the innocent citizens. They're afraid for their own lives. And what happened over Christmas, just over Christmas, they slaughtered it's now the count over 400 Christians that are dead.
0: Stay tuned. Greetings and welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Kochman, Director of Communications and Engagement with ABWE, joined here again in the posh studios of ABWE in snug and comfortable New Cumberland, Pennsylvania, but joined all the way from the other side of the continent by Scott Dunford, my good friend and co-host, pastor of Western Hills Church in San Mateo, California. Scott, I trust your holiday season was as joyous as can be. Uh, it was joyous
2: and rich. And now I'm, I've got to slim down and get back on track and uh, get, get back to work. <laughs> so there's a time for feasting and a time to cease from feasting. And I think uh, it's time for me to cease from feasting. Time to cease from
0: feasting. That is the theme for this year. (laughs) And as we uh, start off the show, if you're new, if this is your first time joining us, or if you've been following along loyally for all seven years of this journey that we've been on as a show, what a ride it's been so far. We are so glad that you're here with us and you can get more podcast content at missionspodcast.com. We would also encourage you if this show ends up being encouraging to you, a help and a resource to you. Share it with a friend and make sure you leave a positive rating and review in your podcast platform of choice, especially Apple Podcasts and Spotify, if that's how you're joining us. Those two platforms make up easily 95% of our listenership. And when you give us a positive rating and review, that helps other people discover this content. Now, if you don't like the show, don't lie to us but just don't leave a review. If you love it, leave us a review. Oh, just lie. Just go ahead and lie. Okay, just go <laughs> ahead. You get, you get special dispensation from Scott. He is a man of the cloth. I, I heard that they're allowed to give out such indulgences to people leaving positive reviews for, for podcasts that are less than honest. Scott, we're a little bit uh, off topic here. Um, let's actually sober up for a minute. So starting okay. out the new year, we, we've actually got a pretty serious in-depth topic to talk about. You know, this has been a week, the first week of January, of of a lot of just discouraging global headlines, right? And and one of those was Mm. coming out of Africa.
2: Yeah, I mean, we see in the news, things are just kind of kind of horrify us. And we've known for quite a while, obviously, it's the world's a dangerous place and the power of evil is real. Um, And then, you know, you, you see stories of persecution of fellow believers. And the truth is, most Americans don't know much about it. And I would include myself in one of those. I didn't know. I didn't even see the headline. And I feel like I follow global news Uh, pretty regularly until uh, you pointed it out, Alex.
0: Yeah, we've seen some things happening just over the last few days and weeks uh, in Nigeria, which has been a hotspot for Christian persecution. But uh, rather than me attempt to summarize some things, let's bring on our uh, guest today is Judd Saul, a filmmaker and also someone involved in a ministry known as Equipping the Persecuted, which he'll share more about as we go on, I'm sure. Judd, why don't you briefly just not only introduce yourself, but also bring us up to speed about what's been happening in Nigeria over the last few years, and then specifically within the last week, what's happening in terms of the Christian persecution that's there. And thanks for joining the show.
1: Hey, thanks for bringing me on. Um, Well, my name is Judd Saul. I'm the founder and director of an organization called Equipping the Persecuted. Uh, I started the organization three years ago. We are an organization that is dedicated to helping persecuted Christians in Nigeria. What's been happening over the last decade is we've seen a huge increase uh, in attacks against Christians in Nigeria, perpetrated by radical Islam, uh, primarily through the Fulani tribe, which have which have come in from up North through Chad and Niger, and they've worked their way into Nigeria, uh, over the, over the last couple, probably the last three decades and started off by doing what they call a cultural jihad. They move into the community, Uh, They're a minority of the population. They start increasing the population, gain political control. And once they start gaining more political control, that's what justifies the violence because now they have the politics to lay cover uh, for the the violence that they're doing. And then systematically, slowly but surely, northern Nigeria, which was predominantly Christian, is now becoming more Islamized and the northern states are becoming Sharia states.
2: I was going to say, we know a little bit about about Africa. And we've talked about Africa quite a bit on this show. We know there's a contested zone, um, you know, kind of separating the Northern, uh, Northern Africa from the rest of Africa in which there's a lot of conflict. Can you tell us a little bit more about Nigeria, particularly as a nation, like where is it located?
0: And like, how did this conflict kind of come together? Hey, listeners, are you interested in free theological training? Midwestern Seminary exists for the church, and that vision to be for the church is the reason that they provide free resources for anyone who wants to grow in their faith. How do they do that? Through the For the Church Institute, which offers free seminary-level education to any individual interested in growing in their knowledge of Scripture, knowing the Lord more deeply, and discerning their calling in ministry. With courses ranging from New Testament and theology to the doctrine of the Trinity, find out if the For the Church Institute is the right solution for you to deepen in your knowledge of Christ. Go to mbts.edu ftci. Again, that's mbts.edu ftci for the For the Church Institute. And while you're there, let them know that the Missions Podcast sent you. And now, on to our show.
1: Nigeria is located um it, it's still considered uh West Africa it borders the ocean it goes inland Nigeria is the most populous country in Africa hmm. uh, with over 200 million people uh, I'd say it's probably more like 250 million but as far as counted wow. uh they say about a little over 200 million people and it was predominantly uh Christian you had um you had some Islam you have witchcraft and then what when Christianity came in it pretty much dominated the country and then What's happened is, is so that that zone where you kind of had Northern Africa, which is all Muslim and Islamized, they collectively have been targeting and moving their way south and taking over countries little by little. You see what happened in Sudan, uh, see what happened in Cameroon uh, and these surrounding countries. So what you're seeing is a full Muslim takeover and invasion of all of Africa. And they 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 specifically are targeting Nigeria because it's one of the country that has the most mineral resources, has a huge oil reserves, major oil producing nation. And if they can conquer Nigeria, they can conquer all of Africa. And so it is a very strategic for uh, uh, Islam to take over the country.
0: Tell us a little bit more about the, the the Fulani people group in general, too. This is a people group that spread throughout Africa. They're considered unreached, so less than and actually much, much less than the, the requisite 2% evangelical to be considered, quote unquote, reached. So this right. is a thoroughly Islamic people group, but they're also nomadic and
1: you can find them all throughout North and West Africa, right? That is correct. And uh, they're very nomadic, but they're also very, very radical. In their in their uh, Islamic beliefs and they will use anything they can to justify violence against the unbeliever this is one of the things that, mm. that people have to realize it's not they're just they're nomadic they're everywhere but once they get that certain percent of the population they become violent against all non-believers and that's what we're seeing right now we're mm. seeing the clash between radical Islam and Christians happening in real time in Nigeria
0: right which is obviously something that's not new in the course of history right Scott Right. Of course
2: not. I, I'm curious, though, is there other conversions uh, to Islam or is it basically contained within one, uh, one, one tribe that just continues to just grow in population? How, how is that taking place there?
1: Conversion through intermarriage and death by the sword. And intimidation. Mm, That that is that is how they're converting. And then uh, in the northern states in Nigeria, the Christians that are still there are now second class subservient citizens. They have to pay fines just to exist.
0: You know, it's interesting, Uh, Scott, I just finished reading a book over the the Christmas break going deep into the history of the conflict between the House of Islam and Christendom Uh, from the inception of Islam all the way to the modern day. And, you know, the types mm. of things that we hear, I, I don't think we as Westerners really grasp. This is not new in the history of, of the global stage, um, that that we've seen like things like this uh, in generations past. Uh, as as Christians, we, we can't be caught off guard by that, right? We have a theology that, that says that our faith doesn't spread by the sword. That's not a conviction shared uh, by all sorts of religious traditions. Uh, we we share the gospel. We're, we're following the Prince of Peace. That's not how these other religious systems spread. At, at the same time, um, to encourage our listeners, actually unrelated to this podcast, I just a, a few days ago got a message from a missionary uh, who I know who shared a firsthand account of more than a thousand Fulani in a different country. We won't say where. Uh, That have come to faith in Christ. So it does seem that God is at work among this people group. But as we're discussing just a moment ago, this is a people group that's spread out throughout the continent. And uh, particularly in a place like Nigeria, you see so many of them have uh, endorsed fundamentalist uh, jihadist forms of Islam.
1: Yes. And, uh, and, and what happens is people ask, okay, you know what, well, how are they taking the country over? What's going on? Where's the Nigerian government? Uh, frankly, a lot of the Nigerian politicians are intimidated and they're afraid. They're afraid to stand up and protect the innocent citizens. They're afraid for their own lives. So if they take too much action, they're going to get assassinated and they come in. And what I call is how they, how they're taking over is they do it death by a thousand attacks. So they won't go attack a major city in a full force with tanks and you know, a full military. What they do is they, they roam in bands of 100, 200, or 1,000, and they go after the small towns surrounding the larger cities, gaining territory, gaining ground, gaining more population and political power, but they just do it a death by a 1,000 little attacks. 100 here, 50 here, and what happened over Christmas, just over Christmas, they slaughtered it's now the count over 400 Christians that are dead and 500 wow. uh now it's about 700 wounded and almost 10,000 now that have been displaced from their villages that are no longer allowed to return that are being forced into internal refugee camps they're called idp camps but it's confusing for people so i just call them internal refugee camps so you're a refugee within your own country that can't go back to your home
2: is the geography within nigeria is it is it centered around different tribal groups i mean i know that there are a number of tribal groups because so you know one of my favorite basketball players is Nigerian. He's Nigerian from Greece, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I know that mm. his his tribal group is obviously different than the Fulani. And I know that from talking to different um, Nigerians, that there's several major
1: tribal groups. Um, are, are they centered in certain geographical areas? There There's four main tribes. Like So you have four main tribes and then you have sub-tribes underneath those tribes. Uh, there's over a thousand different dialects in Nigeria as far as language goes. Mm-hmm. But the main tribes are the Yoruba, uh, the Igbo, the Hausa, and the Fulani. Those are kind of the four dominant tribes. But you have other tribes and tribal aspects. Uh, you know, um, you have the Gala, you have uh, um, the Edoma, you have the the Teve tribes, but primarily you have the four main tribes. And a lot of these tribes were Christianized. Prior to it, Yoruba had a lot of Islam in the Yoruba tribe, but what What's happened is when the Falani come in, the Muslims that are even with the Yoruba uh, go along with what the Muslims do. So mm-hmm. you're, you're moderate, mm-hmm. not so hardcore jihadist types. If you got the mm-hmm. Muslims with the guns that are taking over territory and doing things, you better fall in line. Otherwise, you're going to get killed, too.
0: And people don't understand the way that the uh, Islamic notion of the Ummah, the community of of Muslims you know we, we as Christians right we have a theology of the the invisible church the, yes. the Holy Catholic Church though the one body of Christ that that fills uh, all of the earth uh, with with Christ's true believers and and followers the children of God um the idea in Islam of the Ummah is similar in some ways to that it's it's the community of of Muslims Beyond uh, geopolitical boundaries and tribal affiliations, but it's it's a lot closer to the idea of belonging to a tribe than anything else. And really, some some good scholarly work has been done uh, on the fact that uh, when you have the the rise of Islam, initially, really, what the Umma is is it's a super tribe. It's a it's yes. a tribal affiliation that transcends all other tribal affiliations. And so, uh, the idea of that ancient warfaring tribal mindset is typically that. Every outsider is is suspect and is an enemy, and everyone within the tribe ultimately has everyone else's back and, and supports those within the tribe, no matter what else is going on. And so, it's not surprising that when you have one radicalized um, jihadist tribe come through, that the other tribes would would join them because really, what they they belong to is is the super tribe at that point. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And then what you have to look at is is that the way Nigeria operates in the, in the, in the, the way it works is, is they Nigerians don't identify themselves as we're all Nigerians. So typically it's the, they identify themselves as the tribe. Then they identify themselves by their faith. Then they identify themselves by, Mm. okay, I'm Nigerian. Mm -hmm. The Muslims view as we're Muslim first, then our tribe. And Nigerian is down the list. And Nigerian is way down the list. Interesting. And uh, th- this has been my experience because I get a lot of people going, okay, well, where's the Nigerians in the South? Why aren't they helping the Nigerians in the North? Well, primarily uh, the Christians in the North because they're not part of the same tribes. So it's like, uh, it hasn't yeah. hit me yet. It hasn't hit my tribe yet. So I'm not really going to do much. The Christians are not united as a faith, uh, a- as a people in Nigeria, like you think they should be. They're not because it's, like I said, for them, it's tribe first, faith second, Nigeria third. Mm.
0: So, so that's a good segue. Tell us a little bit about the state of the church. So they're, they're not united. Maybe they're giving way to some of this tribalism as well. Uh, what, what's happening among the believers and how are they responding to these, you, you've said 400 killed, uh, 10,000 internally displaced persons? How are Christians in Nigeria reacting to this?
1: Uh, the ones in the South are, are, are ignorant toward what's going on in the middle belt and in the North. I mean, they, they, it's like, yeah, they're sad about it, but they really don't care because it's not their tribe. I mean, that's, that's kind of what we're Mm -hmm. seeing, what we're dealing with there. But as far as Christians that are being persecuted and the Christians that are in, in the middle belt in the area that are being attacked, this is one of the things that keeps me going back and keeps me enthused about this mission is that these people have nothing I mean, in the grand scheme of Mm. things, they have nothing. The average Nigerian makes $100 a month, if that, if they're lucky. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they really don't have much as far as possessions, uh, housing. I mean, they're sleeping on dirt floors. They live in very dilapidated conditions. But then to get attacked and have that taken away from you, and you got nothing left but the clothes on your backs, but they're willing to get up and glorify God and Mm. pray to God and still praise him and praise and worship even after... Family members have been killed and everything's been taken away from them. They still have a faith and a joy in Christ, unlike anything I've ever seen.
2: Yeah, I know uh, in seminary I had uh, classmates um, that were from Nigeria and sharing a little bit of their, you know, their their passion for Christ, even in the face of persecution. And this is, not you know, now probably a few years ago um, having these conversations when even then there was a lot of persecution going on. Um, you know, what can you tell us a little bit about what, what are the churches like in Nigeria? What, what how, how have they developed and how are they staying strong during the middle of this persecution?
1: Well, I'll, I'll just start let listeners understand this. If you're a pastor in the middle belt, if you're a pastor anywhere in the north, you have a target on your back. The first ones that get killed are the pastors and the pastor's families. Oh. So just by having a church and being a pastor, you are mm. enemy number one to the Falani. And this, by the way, that's what separates this from what the news says that these uh, attacks are being because of caused by global warming or land disputes or tribal conflict, which is all complete utter nonsense. It is radical Islam going after Christians because the first people they kill and they go after are the pastors. Mm. Um, but what what's the what's a church look like out there? You have you have different denominations. You have all sorts of stuff, which is another topic we, we can go on a little bit later as far as we're also trying to conquer bad theology. Uh, a lot of the Nigerian church has been taken over by the Kenneth Copeland prosperity gospel nonsense, and we're trying to get them off that track and into a a much better direction. But um, typical church, you have, you know, 40, 50 people, uh, maybe 100 people in a building that might or might not have power, may or may not have a tiled floor, might be a dirt floor with some pews. And and a church service there can go five hours, six hours. They stay all day. And the people in Nigeria, with very little that they have, bring their Sunday best. Mm. They bring their Sunday best and look the best they possibly can for Sunday service to honor and glorify God. Since I first started going there and and just seeing this for myself, the going to Nigeria for the first time shook my faith. Mm. It shook my faith to its core, and I haven't been the same ever since because of what i because of what I witnessed and people like I said, with nothing glorifying God and waking up every morning and praying to God, yeah. Lord, yeah. do with me what you will if you let me live today great mm. how many well, How many Christians here in the u s do that
0: yeah I, I think Scott and I can both attest. I mean we just came off of the Christmas season. And so uh, as both of us leaders in in local churches, you see people come out of the woodwork and show up for Christmas that wouldn't otherwise normally show up at church. Uh, And uh, you also try very hard to invite certain people thinking maybe this will be the time of year that they darken the door of a church and they don't necessarily all do so and we have it so easy here that, that we we treat the decision of whether or not to attend church so casually and if there's a little bit of snow or, or rain we 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 rethink well should we should we go to the lord's house on the lord's day uh just such a different right. and that's not to disparage those obviously there's people who are providentially hindered from attending uh the gathering of the saints on on Sundays but uh but yeah that, that's a different mindset completely of, of just saying Lord thank you for giving me another day of life and how could I not spend uh, all of this day worshiping you
1: and and, and I'll, I'll just put it this way to just to put it give a try to give a uh, verbal picture and put a picture in people's heads. understand when I say they come to church on their Sunday best, I see crippled people. They don't have wheelchairs in Nigeria. they don't have typical things okay They're walking on their hands and knees with with like uh, sandals. Strapped to their knees mm. so they can walk. And they have sandals strapped to their hands. So they're walking on their hands and knees, and they'll do this for a mile to come to church. Those of whom the world is
0: not worthy um, are the words that come to mind. But uh, tell yeah. us also a little bit, though, uh, about not only are you raising awareness through this ministry, equipping right. the saints, uh, you're yeah, equipping actually, the persecuted. Excuse me. Thank you. Equipping the persecuted. You're also actively uh, helping to get people out of harm's way, right? Yes. So tell us about that work.
1: A lot has happened in three years. Uh, but what, we, what we've what we been able to establish is um, we've been a- able to establish response teams. So after an attack occurs, we send a team in within 48 hours when it's safe enough for our team to go in. So they're not shot at. Uh, we assess the situation and with what resources we have, we attend to the most needy. Whether it's treating the wounded victims, paying for their medical bills, delivering emergency food and rations to newly established IDPs, you know rice, medicine, uh, bringing in doctors to do uh, medical interventions to uh, to treat the you know illnesses of the people in these camps, so we just we put in a response team to do that, and then we continually do outreaches every month, a medical intervention at a certain IDP camp in a certain area to help people. And we give sustained relief and food to folks. That's our, that's our response side. The other side of things, what makes us a little, what makes us different from a lot of other organizations is, is uh, we found a great ministry in training village security teams in security awareness, how to evacuate properly, how to save lives. We train village security teams on trauma response. Uh, but we also teach them intelligence gathering and coming up with ways to save lives. OK, what's the, if if there's an attack mm. coming, you know, an attack's coming. Do you put up a first line of defense or do we evacuate everybody and where do we evacuate them to? And, and what is the process of doing that? And we've mm. also installed village alarm systems. You know, if a tornado, uh, not probably not you in California much, but if, if a tornado comes through or if a natural disaster comes, a button gets hit and there's a siren that goes across the town. Well, we started installing these things in, in villages, a big siren, somebody can hit a button to warn people, Hey, impending attack, go. And we've got emergency uh, procedures that we've taught and put in place for these guys. The other thing we've built an orphanage. We have 28 kids, uh, many of whom whose uh, uh, parents were killed because of terrorism. And we support over 200 widows monthly financial support, many of them whose husbands were pastors that were killed. So we're there on the ground helping persecuted Christians. But I decided six months ago we needed to do more to raise awareness about what was going on because mainstream media doesn't say anything about it. And even Mm -hmm. Christian media says very little about what's going on in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we got to fight the war on both fronts.
2: That's really interesting and, and very, and very helpful. So when you say we are, is this, a, is this mostly Western missionaries? Is this a combination of Western missionaries and national pastors and leaders? Uh, what What is the
1: makeup of who's doing the response? So, so when I say we, it, uh, in, in the U.S., it's me and a part-time assistant. And then I have a staff uh-huh. of 40 in Nigeria. Uh, okay. Relationships I've built up over the last 10 years, people who've been tested by fire and people who I can trust uh, to carry out this mission. So what is what is the call to action? You know, I, you, we, we
2: recognize, and I think, you know, even just listening to this and hearing you, our awareness of the level of difficulty and the level of persecution, even though I know it's out there, Open Doors, uh, World Watch for Persecuted Christians has Nigeria is one of the highest countries. You know, what, what would you like to see Christians do, global Christians get involved in this area? Because I mean, I think most people listen and go like, That's, I'm sad, but I don't know what to do about it.
1: What I want to give this statistic uh, prior to answering that question, 90% of all Christian persecution deaths occurred in Nigeria in 2022, Oof. and we're on track to meet the same statistic wow. for 2023. 90% of all Christian persecution That's deaths. That's
0: global. That's globally. You're saying global. 90% of it happened in Nigeria. In Nigeria. Golly.
1: And um, and, and so what, what can Christians do? First thing is pray for the persecuted in Nigeria. Keep put that plight of persecuted Christians on your prayer chart and please pray for them every day. Uh, Two, you follow it up with other action by donating to equipping the persecuted.org. We're an organization that doesn't talk about the problem, not just talks about it, but we actually are there on the ground helping. We're actually there helping persecuted Christians. And uh, third is um, I, you know, I, I believe in getting politically active. Call your congressman, call your senator, and tell them to withhold aid f- from Nigeria until they can start protecting their own citizens and still they, until they can start protecting Christians. There's no sense in sending a billion over to Nigeria where it's getting siphoned off to mm-hmm. generals and politicians and warlords, and it's not touching or helping anybody on the ground. Let's withhold that aid and have that contingent on Nigeria to say, no more, we're not going to give you any more aid until you start protecting your own citizens. That would be a huge, that would be a huge jump and, and, and an incentive for the Nigerian government to actually care enough to defend their own citizens.
0: Absolutely. It's, it's enlightening when most people think of persecution, I'd imagine their minds go to China, to India, to North Korea. Uh, Most people aren't necessarily thinking of Nigeria. 90% of Global oh. persecution deaths taking place last yeah. year in Ni- Nigeria that that's mind-boggling. I, I, as as sobering as that is, Judd, maybe just leave us with a story of something that encourages you, something that gives you hope. You know, I, I mentioned earlier. Uh, I mean, praise God for this ap- apparent movement of of uh, of salvation happening among the Fulani in a different part of Africa, yeah. and perhaps that would spread uh, towards those who are specifically carrying out these wicked acts in Nigeria. And, and perhaps the Lord would begin to draw some of them to himself, but we, we don't know about that yet. But what are things that you're seeing, uh, and from your staff on the ground, seeing in Nigeria that do give you hope that God is at work, even in the midst of, of such uh, heavy circumstances?
1: Well, let me, let me tell you a story, uh, happened, uh, last year. Uh, there was, there was an attack. Um, we responded immediately to the attack. A Christian village was attacked. Uh, um, about 25 were killed. And we had requests of, you know, things they needed, things they want. We sent a team in and we gave them aid. Well, then while our team was there, they were approached by a Fulani and said, we need some help. Would you be willing to help us? And they, so they're in Nigeria, they call me and they say, uh, we just got this request. Um, we don't, you know, we're not quite sure what to do. And I said, OK, well, let's just pray on it. Let's ask the Lord what we should be doing in this situation. And I prayed and the Lord said, go help them. But on one condition, we go preach the gospel to that tribe. If we're going to give them help, because everything we do is accompanied by the gospel. Mm-hmm. We are sharing the gospel everywhere we go with every good deed that's done. It is accompanied by the gospel. And we're not going to make an exception if we're going to go help a Muslim tribe. And they mm-hmm. said, uh, and, and they said, okay, go in. And we didn't know if, we, if it was a setup, if our team was going to get killed, we did not know, mm-hmm. but we went in with medicine. We went in with food and we got to preach the gospel to the whole tribe in front of the imam. The imam even gave permission for us to share the gospel. And a week later, people from that tribe secretly came to us who accepted Christ as their savior. Some of them decided to move off and, you know, go to a different part of the country and, and isolate. Because if, if you're a Muslim and you become a Christian, you that's automatically death sentence. Okay, sure. Two of those people decided that they wanted to go back into their tribe, not 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 to the village they were at, but another part of the country into their part of their tribe to secretly go witness to other Muslims and lead them to Christ from okay. that one event. Mm-hmm. So praise God. Despite all the evil that has been going on, despite all that's happening, you show up demonstrating the love of Christ while sharing the gospel. This is gospel 101, guys. Yeah. You simply mm-hmm. do that, you see response and you see people's lives change, not just here on earth, but for the kingdom. That's Amen. why we do what we do. Amen. Amen. Judd, where can
0: people learn more?
1: They can go to equippingthepersecuted.org. And then if you want to get up to date on the news and what's going on, go to truthnigeria.com. Uh, we have journalists that are reporting on things in Nigeria that no one else is reporting. Mm-hmm. Um, it, accurate numbers, what's actually happening, go to truthnigeria.com. But but if you want to support our mission we need all the help we can get so go to equippingthepersecuted.org
0: appreciate that we'll be sure to get those notes into the show notes those links that you shared there and scott it it just strikes me you know the the enemy and and false religion it it spreads through through violence through deceit and yet what what an incredible testimony to our our sovereign god that that the kingdom of Christ actually gets stronger whenever it's beat down and whenever violence is, is perpetrated against it. Right. I mean, doesn't that tell you more than anything else that the spirit is at work?
2: Yeah. And it just, you know, as we coming out of Advent, it just is a good reminder, you know, it's often darkest before the dawn and Mm -hmm. uh, and God is at work and uh, we need to be faithful in the harvest field and and realize that God's doing things that, that we, that, that befuddle us and that we can't see with our eyes Then when we hear these stories of faithful Christians, it also ought to cause us to take evaluation of our life and stop uh, just trying to just skate by and avoid notice, but to live our life with purpose and on mission for the glory of Jesus Christ. So um, thank you so much, Judd, for drawing attention to this really
1: important uh, story. Thanks for having me on, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you. Absolutely. And thank you for joining us, whether you're listening in your favorite podcast app or whether you are watching us on YouTube or on abwe.org, however you choose to join the missions podcast. We're so glad that you're a part of our family. And would you let us know? Drop us a note. Alex at missionspodcast.com is how you can get a hold of me. Scott at missionspodcast.com to get a hold of Scott. We'd love to hear from you. Any questions that you have, any suggestions for future topics, reach out. We would love to hear from you. Of course, the missions podcast is a ministry of ABWE. To learn more about ABWE, which is making disciples in eighty-four nations and counting through a hundred, excuse me, through a thousand missionaries committed to evangelism and church planting among the nations, go to abwe.org and learn more about the important work that's happening in the cause of the gospel. To get more content from Podcast.com, where you can also hit the support tab at the top of the website. This is a supported ministry of ABWE. We rely upon the generosity of ABWE donors. And so please go ahead. And if you believe in the work that this show is doing in raising awareness, in mobilizing people for the work of ministry, Hit that support tab. We're so grateful for those of you who do it. You can also click the link to support the show in the show notes. That's an easier way to get there if you're on a mobile device. And until next week, go make disciples of all nations. Pray for Nigeria. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you then.